Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. for showing up for yourselves today. Thank you for being the place where God can show up, for making that space in possibility in your mind and in your body. So here we are. And I thank you for inviting me. I thank Christina for, or is it Christine, for inviting me. And um, what I want you to know is that the path to this community has been laid for many, many, many years. Reverend Lynn Johnson was my prayer partner in Foundations and all the way through ministerial school. She and Renee and, and Ruth and I talked every day for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. She was a dear, dear, dear friend. And through her, I got to know Larry. And so I feel like I have been waiting to be here and get to know you. <laughs> And I'm thrilled to do that. And everything already this morning, I mean, Karen Drucker was my first music, you know, inspiration at Golden Gate where I met my friend Bob. And um, I love the songs that you played this morning. And Eddie's song, Eddie is just a different kind of musician. He just goes, especially lately, I don't know if you're following him online, but he is really worth following. He has changed so much about himself by really taking a real stand for this teaching and using it. He is a demonstration, just incredible. And one of my favorite Ernest Holmes quotes is, inspiration without application is hallucination. <laughs> inspiration without application is hallucination. So how many of you, like me perhaps, um, would read the book, take the class, check it off and say, yep, I got that, yeah, I know that, I got that, yep, yep, I'm good, it's all good. And then go back into your life and act as if you didn't know any of that stuff, you know? Find yourself judging your neighbor or your neighbor's dog or telling your children how to live their lives, or, you know, whatever it is that we do when we forget ourselves. And so, the thing I love about this teaching is that it's meant to be practiced. It's not a set of rules to follow. I mean, that's the, that is a really significant difference. This is not a teaching about the rules you must follow. This is a teaching about proving to yourself that these principles work 
when you practice them. This is a personal practice. There is nothing between me and whatever you call the thing itself that's going to tell me if I'm good or not or deserving or not or anything else. My life will tell me that. Right? It's tough medicine. <laughs> this, is, this is really not an easy, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, that's the feel-good church. <sighs> well, maybe during the honeymoon phase, you know. But really, this is a, this is a teaching that requires we take it deep. Because if we don't, we suffer more than the people who are already asleep and they don't know they could go deeper. They're just happily living their lives and falling and getting up and going on. But when we do things against what we know, the medicine, the retribution, the, the perfect matching of the results hits us harder than it does for people who don't know a thing about it. Do you know what I mean? When you know something and you go against it, it's a betrayal. When you don't know, it's just ignorance. And you know, the, how do you think they got that quote? Ignorance is bliss. I mean, really, I, sometimes I would just love to go back to that, where I just didn't know anything. And I just thought it was their fault, and oh, well. You know, but it's not. It's all right here. It's up to us. Now, my life is... I have an amazing life. I've had an amazing life. I don't have time to tell you anything about it. Someday, if we have a year or two, I would. <laughs> but I have done things and experienced things that I never planned for, even though I used to train people in business planning and strategic planning. The best things happen because they just follow the guidance and the, the direction you've given them. That's when miracles happen. Another place where miracles happen is where there's a gap. I used to teach a workshop called Finding the Gap. You know, we used to call it the groan zone in business. You know that place where it isn't working. We don't know what to do. That's the groan zone. But if you stay in the I don't know what to do very long, what happens? Nothing, right? It gets worse, crash. It's all their fault, see? I just had the unluck to be here, we say to ourselves. But in that grown zone, which I now call the gap, and which now is becoming very popular in a lot of conscious conversations, it's the place between what was and what's yet to be. It's the place where possibility gets born. It doesn't happen when everything's easy and you can rest on your laurels because when you're sitting on your laurels, you're not challenged to grow. When you're challenged to grow is when things call you, push you, pull you. Those things when you, you know, you lose your job or your partner walks out or some big goal falls apart or you never thought, like, you know, I'm carrying a cane. I'm, today is my birthday. Today's my birthday, yes. Yes. Thank you. And, and I usually don't give much care about birthdays. But I, your birthday too? Well, hey, there you go. <laughs> well, I figured out that I'm now just starting today my 77th year. And I go, wow. 
that is so great. And I'm teaching my grandkids. They all want to grow up really fast, you know. So one of them just turned 11. She said, oh, I'm only 11. I said, no, actually, you know, she said, I'm only, it's just 10. I'm going to be 11. I said, no, actually, you're starting your 12th year. When you turn 11, you're starting your 12th year. Oh, I'm closer to being a teenager. <laughs> so that gap is where possibility lives. So I want you to keep that in mind as I read you something. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this this morning, but um, I think I will. And what I know for sure is that what we practice thinking and saying and doing creates the life that we're living. That's Science of Mind 101. If we're a place where God shows up and moves and breathes and has its being, then guess what life is going to look like? We've got to make it welcome. We've got to give it space. And that doesn't happen when we're acting out of the scared part of ourself or the superior part of ourself. Now, when you look out at the world today, mercy me, it's very easy to look at it and think it's just falling apart. See that little symbol? Yeah, it's a spiral. And you can either be going up or going down. It's easy to look at a spiral and even when it's moving and think it's going down. But the, today, this focus today is on paradox. So here's a really great paradox. You get to choose whether you see that spiral is going down or whether that spiral is going up. And on that choice, your life falls into place. Just on that one choice, imagine that your perception of what is happening in life is that no matter what, the spiral is going up. What would that do to the challenges that you've got right now? It changes the glasses that you see them through, right? It changes our perception. The power of choice is the ultimate driver of where we go and how we are. Because we're either choosing to be in the grown zone or we're choosing to lean into the possibility and nurture and cultivate it so that we plant the things we want to eat. We plant the thoughts we want to live. I've been in Ukraine for 22 years. I arrived on September 11th, 2001, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when the Twin Towers were falling. I went, and I didn't know about it, but by the time I got to my host family and found out, I went, oh, mercy, this is going to be quite a ride. And the next day, I was on the radio, the television, and the newspaper, because everybody's sure World War III is going to break out. And on that day, I was at Golden Gate a couple of days before then. I left Golden Gate singing a song and got on a plane and went to Ukraine. Golden Gate's the science mind community in Marin County and in California. And so on that day, I learned that I really believed that peace was possible, that it was not only the question, not only the answer, but the choice. I learned it that day. And I haven't looked back, although I've fallen several times. I've forgotten it. 
And then somebody would say, my first translator in Ukraine, I stayed with him and his mother and their dogs and their cats and the fridge door that was falling off and the puppies and all their stuff and 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 I would never lived in a city before and I didn't speak the language. I had 50 words of Russian and and Grisha would say when I'd get irritated or frustrated or I'd be mad at the stepping in something on the floor that I hadn't seen. Grisha would say, how nice it is you came here to teach us about peace and love. It would sure be great if you had some. <laughs> so, you know, when you're ready, life will show up. And you may not like how it shows up. You may not recognize that ruthless angel in your life that tells you the truth. So I wrote this little thing um, two Fridays ago. Today, my hometown in Ukraine was hit hard, killing, injuring, destroying life, private property, citizens' livelihoods, and safety. And that's the purpose, I imagine, to fill us with fear. But my dears, we all know that fear can't linger long here. Yes, it's tragic and sad and frightening too, but we won't fall into weeping and give that victory to you. If you're listening to what we all say, mark my words, there's a movement birthing today and it's not going away. The more you hate and the more you attack, the more determined we are. And the more we lean back, we let that energy of war and death go on its way as boomerangs do. They don't come to stay. And here is the message I've been longing to bring to you. That could be me or you or anyone who's focused on how it doesn't work and how it's falling apart and this is just hell and this is the way it's got to be and there's always been war and there's no way out. So when you fall into that conversation, this is the message that I give to myself and to anybody who wants to listen. It's never too late to admit that we're wrong. Some heroes are born in the depths of the storm. You are the ones who can be heroes today. Only the strong and the courageous can say, I lost my way. Through the dust and the dark and the cries in, in the night, I reach out to you as humanity's own, just like me, just do the right thing. History will mark us as brave and mothers will cry in delight and together the world that we save is growing brightly so light, but starting the healing will take many nights. And whether you do and whether you don't, we all have the same choice as just offered to you. Think about that. Whether you do decide to realize you've lost your own way, or whether you don't, we've been given the choice. All of us, that's the consciousness of this teaching. We have, do we have the courage to ring out the bell, the bells of peace, no matter what it'll take, or what must be released? What must be released in our mind to have the courage to say, I lost my way, or to say, let me be open to peace today. 
what do we have to let go of? What hatred, what judgment, what littleness? Because we all do. But peace is who we are. It's our operating system. It's our, it's our nature. We don't have to go anywhere to build it or to find it. We just have to be available to it. We know that the future starts over right here today. When, that, when those words came through my pen, I went, oh my God. The future starts over right here today. What is the future you want? What is the future you've been saying won't work because I'm not enough of this or that or too much of that or this? Just don't believe that anymore. That's not true. You, we did not come here to fail. We came here as humanity's own. We came here to dare to believe The future starts over right now and right here. This is the moment. And to me, it is clear as a bell. Only in unity can we avoid hell. Clear as a bell, only in unity can we avoid hell. Whatever it takes. Think about what's going on in the world today that you don't like, that you say, well, that's just, you know, that's just as horrible. It's only in unity that we can avoid hell. And whatever it takes, we must do it now. And we must do it well. Words flowing from hope, powered by purpose, fueled by possibility, lead to peace. Those words are our choice. When it looks like it's falling apart, it isn't usually, it's not its greatest possibility. Let's say that. It could fall apart, but it doesn't, it's not the greatest thing that it could do. It could actually reveal something fantastic. I got a very rude awakening three years ago and left the ministry that I was in, over there, after years and years of devoted service. And it took me a moment to get over that. And within about three days, I realized it was the answer to my prayer. I went, oh my God, I'm free. <laughs> I could do what I've been trying to get them to do and they won't do. I've been doing the wrong thing. I've been trying to change other people instead of just doing what I was here to do. It's not their fault, although I wasted two or three years thinking that. I mean, the truth, really, the truth. Just being a minister doesn't mean you do it all right. When I got the fact that it was the answer to my prayer, everything in my life changed. Everything. Viktor Frankl, you know Viktor Frankl, the, yes. And he kept his hope alive by looking through a nail hole size hole and seeing a blade of grass on the outside of the prison. That's what did it for him. But he had to be the one to put the eye up to the hole. It wasn't enough to just know there was a hole there and there was grass on the other side. He had to actually go there and do it. Inspiration without application is hallucination. 
So there he did. He got his eye up to the hole, and he saw that green blade of, of, of grass, and it saved him from himself, from all the blame and shame and anger and everything else that he would have done if he felt sorry for himself, right? Been there, done that. I don't know if it's only me, but, you know, that's not a fun place. You could call that hell. So here's what he said about one of my favorite topics, the gap. Between the stimulus and response lies a space. In that space lies our freedom and power to choose a response. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. <sighs> Joseph Campbell said a little different. I had the gift of knowing him. He was on our board at New Dimensions Radio. And one of my favorite Joseph Campbell quotes is, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So the part of you that you think is just too big to deal with, or the thing that is too big to forgive yourself for or to let go, it's not. That's where your treasure is. A different kind of treasure. Maybe it's not gold bars. Maybe it's freedom to discover yourself when you have let go of that stuff that just brings you down and makes you little. So when we think of paradox, we think of things that have different, two different meanings. You know, it's perspective. There's a hundred stories, and I made a list of several of them, but I'm not even going to go there. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to say, when a paradox shows up in your life, grab it. Because it creates a gap, because your choice is either, well, yeah, that's falling apart over there. Yeah, it really looks awful and scares me. But there's two or three people over here. Let's see what they're doing. They're singing about there's only love. I wonder if that could be true. I wonder if, if there's only love, love that does what? Love that sets me free. If there's only love, then what have I got to worry about? I just have to surrender the parts of me that believe in hell. That's not necessarily easy, but if we decide to practice it, and obviously you do, it's a perfect golf day, and actually we've had the football game of the season. I don't know how many of you were watching Friday night. I grew up on a farm, and beavers were always busy building dams, but there was one heck of a game on Friday, and a whole new ideas for me about what beavers can do, because that tight end was the fastest I've ever seen since Jerry Rice. I swear, that was a game when the University of Oregon beat the heck out of the other team. Can't even remember what their name was. Usually I root for the underdog. What? Utah. Yeah. Well, Utah's great. I love Salt Lake City. But, <laughs> but you know, that they were not expected to win. Portland was not. And it, when I, it was a rout. I mean, it was like 18 to nothing or something, right? Wasn't it 18 to nothing? Something like that. Great game. So there's two other things I want to read, and I think, ooh, I've got, a, I've got five more minutes. Great. So when I'm, um, I wanted to read you something from Robert Mueller, also somebody from my New Dimension years. I uh, used to be a painting contractor. 
I used to have overalls that were so covered in paint they would stand in the corner. <laughs> I used to carry five gallon cans of paint up scaffolding that I set up myself and I'd pull them up that damn, all those little weird ways that you climb up scaffolding with 50 pounds of paint in my right hand. I did that. And then I hurt my back after 10 years of doing that. But I proved something to myself, a lot of things actually. I wrote a lot of poetry climbing up and down ladders. And uh, I proved I was strong and I was very proud of that. But when I hurt my back, I lost everything, everything. My business, I gave it to the employees, um, lost my house, my car, my health. Couldn't walk. I had to learn to walk. And after I learned to walk, I was on disability, praise God, because the guy, I didn't have it, but the guy whose house I was painting had it. And so I got disability. And then I went back to school, and I took all the things I'd wanted to do if I could do anything I wanted. I did piano, and I did English, and group communication, and things like that. And then I was offered an internship. Go pick your internship. You could be a secretary, you could be a court reporter. I said, I don't want to do any of those things. What do you want to do? I want to work in public media, where they tell the truth, where they're interesting, where they're, oh, and there's good programs for the kids to watch. Oh no, we don't finance any of that, they said. I said, well, I can't take your gift then. And my worker, my voc rehab worker said, you're crazy, you're a single mom, and here's a chance for two years of support, and you're gonna say no? I said, yeah, because that's not my path. I know that. I don't exactly know what, but I know that this is where I'm called to today. He said, wow, I never heard such a thing. Two days later, he called me back. He said, I'll be over in five minutes. He came back. He said, I took your case to the board. They have never, ever done this before, but they've just approved your request. You can go get a job in public media. Not because I said, oh, see, they won't let me. Isn't that awful the way life is? No, because I said, I won't be able to take your gift. I accepted their choice, and I stood for mine. So where do we need to stand for ours? In the paradox of whether it looks like it's falling apart or really is coming together, where are you standing in an issue that's really important to you? Because therein lies the secret to the rest of the story, in that choice. Robert Mueller said this about that. I met him. I am so blessed. I'm actually, I just re-met his wife just about two weeks ago in a rotary meeting. And he used to write to me, and I would write to him. And he, he was talking, this was in the 80s, and it was the Iraq War. And he said, this past week, millions of signatures have been sent to the UN from in, international grassroots organizing. And he made several points about how things were changing for the good. He said, this is not a political issue. It's an issue of principle. Violence only inspires violence. Peace inspires peace. And he said, the Iroquois Indian leaders whose tribal laws are the basis for our constitution, and so for the United Nations, have been called upon and have been calling upon their women to let their voices be heard. 
In their tradition, peace was always the first option. And if women didn't support it, the, they didn't make the moccasins for the warriors to wear to war, and there was no war. <laughs> and I've been wanting to go out on the streets that says, just stand up for peace. Just stand up for it. I just feel like a radical person inside of me wanting to do that, but it's not really radical. It's what, if God is all there is, if God is all there is, and that's what this teaching says, there's only one life and one power, and its nature isn't in us like a raisin in a bun. It's not just in little special spots or for special people or only after special accomplishments. It's in every cell of our body. It's our DNA, our spiritual DNA. It's our operating system. But like the biblical story of the tree of knowledge, you have to leave and come back and choose it. We know enough now. We know enough to choose it and to practice it. Because if we're just, like I did for a long time, if we're just saying, well, I sure hope they figure it out because the world deserves to live in peace, that is no longer enough. And I'm not you know, wanting to practice guilt. I'm just saying, wherever you are, you have a choice to choose the thing that makes you feel good. When the kids talk to you in 10 years when peace is broken out and they say, wow, what was that like? What was your part? What did you do? How did that happen? What are you going to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to have happen in 10 years? Two years? Next year? In 2024? Because what you want to have happen, we need to be planting in our gardens right now. The gardens that we till and the gardens where we plant our seeds. So I teach in Ukraine now, I teach in public school. I create curriculum and I train teachers and children are now learning this teaching without any lingo and, and slogans or anything else. I call it peace. And we have an understanding peace project. And everything we know here is what they're learning there. Only it's a little bit different. How I say it is your mind is a garden and your thoughts are the seeds. You can plant flowers or you can plant weeds. And then I teach them that you may not have created the situation, but your response to it will determine your experience of the outcome. It's a little formula. E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. That's the creative process. That's what that class that Sean was talking about is all about. What are we responding to life with? What are we planting? What are we investing in? Where are we putting our time? How much, you know, I noticed on my phone that it tracks how many minutes I'm on the, my email and how many minutes I'm on this and that. Well, what if there was something that tracked for ourselves how many minutes we worry and complain and blame and everything else? <laughs> yeah. So if you're like me and you groaned at that thought, you are powerful. You can change it. You can the, the future starts over right now. If these little kids 
I used to say, if you can prove it in Ukraine, you can prove it anywhere. So I want you to know with me that there is a power within you, and it knows nothing unlike itself. It only knows itself. It only knows its magnificence. It only knows its possibility. And our purpose, we're little seeds of that. And we get to decide. There's no force that says you have to be nice. It says somewhere in some book it causes the rain to fall on the just and unjust alike. So, you know, you can use this law for wonderful things or terrible things. So choose with me today. I'm going to be doing a um, um, training, a 15-minute, 10, 15-minute, just spontaneous after the prayer treatments are, are done today. I'm doing a little training back there to learn how to put peace first because I teach that all over the world. And I want everyone to become peace-first responders so that your first response to anything is, I choose to be peaceful in this moment. That's our most important choice, I believe. It's the gateway to everything we dream of. So I thank you for listening to me and for nodding and smiling and <laughs> laughing and letting me know that you're on the journey with me. And I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to be here. And I know that what each one of us does, every little thing each one of us does matters. And we get to decide which part of the paradox we lean into. It's our choice. It's our power. It's our gift. And it's our reality. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.